0: on how to hear from God. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the reality that God has spoken and God's still speaking today. Out of our relationship with God, He desires uh, to speak to us, to inform us, to guide us, to help us, to simply do life with us. Um, I'm confident that God's speaking. We just need to have hearts that are sensitive and we need to have ears here. Not just in the big things of life, but even in the small things. On Thursday, I uh, I lost my church keys. These are my church keys. Um, and it's really important because I have this little fob, and without this little fob, you can't get anywhere in this building, right? It's, it's like security. And so on Thursday, I lost my church keys. I was looking everywhere for my church keys, and it's pretty important that I can get into the building um, and that I can get into my office. And so I asked everyone, I backtracked through all the places I had been looking for my keys. And um, I I went in my office this morning and I just said, Lord, you know that I need my keys. (laughs) They're pretty important. And I I don't want to over-spiritualize the moment, but it was just like the Holy Spirit impressed me. Go and look in that location. I went to that location and guess what? There were my keys. And the big stuff and in the small stuff, I'm just convinced that God wants to do life with us. Like Again, he's not some big deity seated in the heavens far removed from us. But even in the things like Pharaoh losing his keys, I think he's concerned about that. And I think he wants to prompt us, speak to us, however you would define it, because again, I think he just wants to do life, to do relationship with us. You know, going back a few years, the year was 1940, Dr. Edwin Orr took a group of Wheaton College students abroad to study in England. And one of their stops was at a place called the Epworth Rectory. The rectory now serves as a Methodist museum, but it was formerly the home of John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement. And one of the bedrooms in the upstairs of, of this house, there's two impressions on the floor right by the bed. And it's thought that that's where John Wesley, day after day, would go and, and spend time in prayer. So they tour this room and the students are back on the bus and Dr. Ord does the count and they're missing one student. So he goes back into the house to try to find this student that's missing, not on the bus... Goes upstairs in that very room, he finds a young man who's kneeling right at the spot where there was the two impressions in the floor, and that young man was Dr. Billy Graham. And he was simply praying this, Lord, do it again. Do it again. You know, I live by a simple maxim, and here it is. If we do what they did in the Bible, God will do what he did. If we do what they did in the Bible, God will do what he did. He still speaks, he still heals, he still delivers, and he still whispers. There's nothing that God wants to do more than do it again and again and again and again. Of course, we we must posture ourselves the way John Wesley did, the way Billy Graham did. You know, we need to train ourselves to better hear the voice of God and to sensitize ourselves to his voice. You know, some months ago, My wife told me in a very loving but direct way, um, you got to go get your ears checked. She said, I am tired of hearing you say, what did you say? Would you say that again? She said, I've had enough of it. You need to go get your ears checked. So I did in response to my wife's directive. I went and got my ears checked. And what I discovered is that I had severe hearing loss in both ears growing up on the farm machinery all of that, just not being uh, careful, not protecting my ears. I had severe hearing loss. And the technician recommended that I get hearing devices. Now, I, to tell you, I was a bit skeptical. I don't know. You know, the stigma maybe with hearing devices. You know, you got these little things hanging on your ears. and uh, But I thought, well, I'm going to give it a try. And so they fitted me, and they um, made, created hearing devices for me. And all of a sudden, guess what? I discovered a whole new world. (laughs) Like, I could now hear the clicking on the turn signal. I used to drive for miles down the road with my turn signal on because I didn't know it was on. (laughs) Now I can hear it. Amazing. Now I no longer have to depend on reading people's lips. Which, by the way, was quite a challenge during COVID when everyone was wearing a mask. It's like I can't read their lips. Now I can hear I can hear what people are saying. It's amazing. This whole new world I've discovered how I can hear the, the smallest of noises. Uh, my, my son used to say all the time, hey, your, your truck's making a noise. I don't hear a noise. I just kept driving it. But now I can, I can hear, and it's not like I, I got a new set of ears. What I did is I received hearing devices, so now I am much more sensitive to voices, to noises. I pick up on things that I was, like, totally missing. And I think in the, in the same way, uh, we need to get, like, spiritual hearing devices, Because as as I've said throughout this series, I don't think the issue is so much that God's not speaking. I think it's we're not listening. I don't think that it's God's not speaking. I think that oftentimes we're not sensitive to, we're not picking up on those promptings or, or that whisper of God. So what we need, so to speak, we need spiritual hearing devices so that we can better tune into his voice because God has spoken in times past and he's still speaking today and I believe that hearing his voice will positively shape your life and it'll positively shape your future. Yeah, I believe that God speaking can answer your most burning question. It can calm your deepest fear. It can bring clarity of direction and fulfill your loftiest dreams. That's why we want to tune into his voice. That's why we want to better train ourselves to listen. You know, the scripture in Hebrews 13, 8 says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God's doing now what he did then, right? He's still speaking today as he has in the past. So we can expect to hear from God in a variety of ways. And thus far in this series, we've talked about three ways Three different ways through which God has spoken and God can speak to us today, and so I want to do a quick review of those three ways in case you've not been here or missed one of these uh, one of the sermons in this series. Then we're going to look at uh, two uh, other ways that God speaks to us today. But the first way that God speaks to us, the first word, the first means that we talked about, is that God speaks to us through His Word. God's Word is alive. Right, different than any other book. As a matter of fact, Paul in his writing in uh first Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, says that God's word is literally God breathed, it's God giving, it's living and active. So as we look to God's word, as we engage God's word, God's word engages us. The Holy Spirit speaks to speaks to us today. Through the word. A second way that we talked about that that God speaks to us is through our desires. You know, we certainly don't want to be ruled by our emotions. As I said last week, our emotions are a great servant but a horrible master. But at times God chooses to speak through our emotions, through our desires. Last week we looked at Psalm 37, verses 3 through 6, and in that passage there was there were three directives. That uh, where the psalmist directed us to, uh, to trust in the Lord, to delight in the Lord, and to commit our way to the Lord. And I believe when we do those three things, when we trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord, and commit our way to the Lord, that then the Lord can speak to us through our desires, through our emotions. That's a way that He reveals direction and uh, correction, and even. Um, brings comfort for our lives. So God can speak to us through our emotions, through our desires. God can also speak to us through doors. Last week we talked about open doors and and closed doors. God chooses to, to close doors, to protect us, to redirect us, to keep us from less than his best. And he opens doors to guide us into the opportunities that he has for us. I think he directs circumstances in such a way to open our lives to opportunities that are for our good and for his purposes. So he uses doors, he opens doors and he closes doors. Not only does God speak through doors, but he he can also speak to us through dreams and visions, through dreams and visions. Now there's numerous illustrations. If you were to look throughout the Bible, you would find numerous illustrations where God spoke, he revealed direction, he revealed future, Uh, he even revealed correction, Using dreams and visions, speaking to individuals through something that may be like a little hard to get our minds around because it seems kind of vague. Yet oftentimes we see in scripture that God, again, speaks through dreams and visions. I want to give one biblical illustration. You can read the whole story later. It's found in Genesis 37. In Genesis 37, God uh, brought two dreams to a young man by the name of Joseph. So he was probably somewhere between 13 and 16 in that age bracket. And he had two dreams. And the dreams were, if you read the scripture, the dreams were not real popular with his family. Um, And the first dream that he had, he and his brothers were out in the field um, um, harvesting wheat. And Joseph said, hey, in this dream, my sheaf of wheat rose up. And he said to his brothers, your sheaves of wheat came and bowed to mine. How many of you know, not real popular, right? The second dream that he had, and uh, Joseph, being young and naive, told his brothers this dream as well. He says, hey, I had this dream. And in this dream, sun, moon, and 11 stars, he had 11 brothers, sun, moon, and 11 stars came and bowed to my star." Again, um, not a happy dream to be sharing with your brothers. What's interesting, though, is if you fast forward in the story, in the dreams, God was actually revealing not only Joseph's future, but the plan that he had for Joseph, and how Joseph would literally be a savior. He would save his people and the whole nation of Egypt because the very dreams that he had came to fruition. Joseph become second in power in all of Egypt. And there did come a day that his brothers came and bowed down to him. But all of this was revealed to Joseph through a dream. God spoke to Joseph through a dream. And I believe just as God spoke to Joseph through a dream, so he can speak to you and I. Now, we we tend to be skeptical of experiences we've never had. And and that's especially true, I think, when it comes to such things as dreams and, and visions. But if there's a biblical precedent... For God speaking through dreams and visions, why wouldn't we pray for the same? Could it be that we have not because we've asked not? Could it be that we've not availed ourselves to God speak to us through dreams and visions? You know, it's interesting. A promise with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was that God would speak through dreams and visions. So if you go back to Acts chapter 2. Actually, i want to read one verse. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Listen to how this reads. The scripture says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Notice, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. The scripture saying here, as a result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we know what happened on the day of Pentecost. That there would be young men who would dream dreams. There would be be young men who would see visions. And there would be old men who would dream dreams. So according to this verse, we should expect to hear from God through the means of dreams and visions. Are you with me? I mean, this is what the scripture says. Hey, this is the result. This is what's going to happen as a result of the Holy Spirit being given. And we actually see this happening in Acts chapter 10. The gospel came to the Gentiles through what I would call a double vision. Now this is pretty significant because if you're in the room today and you're not a Jew, then that means you're a Gentile. Gentile. So that's probably like 98% of us in the room. So there's a pretty significant divining moment that happened here and it came about through a vision. And you can read this story, but let me just quickly summarize it for you for the sake of time. We have Peter who's in Joppa, and Peter's in a time of prayer. And he says, as he's in this time of prayer, he has a vision. In this vision, there's a sheet-like structure that comes down, literally comes down out of heaven. And on this sheet's all kind of unclean animals, reptiles and birds, things that a good Jew would never eat. And so Peter sees this picture this he has this vision of the sheep with these unclean animals and the Lord said to Peter rise kill and eat and Peter said surely not God you know I've never defiled myself with anything unclean it's interesting the scripture says that he that Peter saw this vision three times now Peter's now wondering he's pondering like what could this mean Pretty vivid. What could it mean? Well, at the same time that Peter's having a vision, in Caesarea, there's a gentleman by the name of Cornelius who's a Gentile. And he has a vision, and the vision sends someone to get Peter because Peter is in Joppa, and he has a message for you and your family. So while Peter's pondering this this vision, the men from Cornelius' house actually show up at Joppa, at Peter's house, and all of a sudden, it's like Peter's connecting the dots here. So Peter goes with them to Cornelius's house, to the house of a Gentile, and again, Jews didn't hang out with Gentiles, right? Because the Gentiles were unclean. But Peter has just had this vision about God saying, hey, don't call unclean what I've called clean. And so Peter goes to Cornelius' house. He begins to preach the gospel message, and what, what we discover is that Cornelius and his whole household is saved and They receive the Holy Spirit like a similar Acts 2 experience happens to the Gentiles. So here's a defining moment. No longer is um, the message of salvation just for the Jews. It's also for the Gentiles. Talk about a defining moment. For every Gentile in the room today, you should say, praise the Lord, right? Man, that was for our good. If it was just for the Jews, how many of you know, most of us would be left out. But there's this defining moment, and it all happened around a vision of God speaking to Peter through a vision that led him to bring the gospel message to Cornelius' house. Well, just as God spoke to Peter through a vision, so he can speak to us today through visions and dreams. But I think here's the challenge, maybe the biggest challenge, is that the meanings of dreams and visions are not immediately discernible. In other words, there's a dream that you have or a vision maybe that God brings, in, and you're trying to figure out, like, what does this mean? Like, what, what's God trying to communicate? I mean, that's what happened to Peter when he received the vision of unclean animals that, was, that he was directed to kill and eat. He, he was not sure what it meant. Matter of fact, listen to how the scripture read. Acts 10 17 says, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision. In other words, he knew it meant something. He knew that God was trying to communicate something, but he didn't know what it what it meant. And then the men show up from, from Cornelius' house, and, and he realizes, like, hey, this is this must be what God's directing me to. But as God speaks to a dream or a vision, you may have to ponder it. You, you may have to pray through it. You may have to give it. You may have to give it some time. I think it's interesting that Joseph had this dream, going back to Genesis 37, when he was about 13 to 16. There was about seven years, maybe a little longer, that passed before the dream actually came to fruition. And Joseph had to have some understanding of what it meant, but he had no idea how it was going to play out. So sometimes there's there's the passing of time. You may have to wait for God to bring clarity. What I would discourage, here's what everyone does today. If If you don't know the meaning of something, what do you do today? You Google it, right? So if you have a dream, don't Google it. Don't do that. If it's truly from God, I believe in the process of time, God will bring clarity as to what the dream is, as to what the vision is. But again, what we see throughout Scripture is that God speaks through visions and dreams. So we should not think it odd or weird if God were to speak to us, even today, through a dream or a vision. Well, not only does God speak through dreams and visions, but God also speaks to us through people. Sometimes God speaks to us for us, and sometimes God speaks to us for others. God speaks to someone else for, for your benefit. Possibly it's a word of encouragement, a word of direction that the Holy Spirit will impress on us or speak to us. That's for someone else. Like God, God wants you to be uh, the mail carrier, so to speak. God wants you to be the individual who's, who's delivering the message. I, I know through the years, I, I've both shared messages that I felt I'd received from God to others, and, and I've been the recipient. And when I was a recipient, I can tell you today that at times there were some people who were right on the money, and there were other times that individuals were like way out in left field. Right? How many of you experienced that? Um, you know, just because someone thinks they've heard from God doesn't always mean they've heard from God. Just because someone says, Thus saith the Lord, doesn't mean that God's being just because they preface what they're about to say with thus saith the Lord, that really doesn't mean God's being. What I've discovered at times is people can lie on God. You know what I'm talking about? I remember a story. This really happened. One of my best friends uh, was single. Um, And there was a a single lady, a single young lady, who came to him and says, "I, I have a word from the Lord. He said, well, what is it? So, Lord told me that you're supposed to marry me. That's my word from the Lord. Now, how many of you know, there might be a little flesh behind that. There might be a little uh, wrong motive behind that. But that was what she thought she had heard from the Lord for my best friend. Like, he was supposed to marry her. And, like, that's not going to happen, right? Too much pizza the night before, too much hormones or something. Listen, just because people get weird with this does not mean that God will not speak to us through others, though. So, listen, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. You, you, you don't want to discount at times God can speak to us. through. It. I mean, we have a, a biblical illustration. And actually, there's an, a number of biblical illustrations. But let me give you one really quick from Acts chapter 9. Again, I encourage you to read these stories. Go deeper into this. Now Acts chapter 9, we have a gentleman by the name of Saul who thought his mission was to kill Christians. And so Saul's on his search and kill mission. He's on the road to Damascus, and he's traveling there with letters from the government to arrest more Christians. And as he's on his way, he has this encounter with Christ where basically Jesus says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And in this encounter... Saul is left blind, like he can't see. And his friends who are traveling with him actually lead him into the city. And for three days, Saul is struggling with this blindness. Um, Couldn't eat anything, obviously. I mean, if that happened to you, if that happened to me, our world would be turned upside down. So it happened to Saul. And in the midst of this, there's a man in the town By the name of Ananias. And God speaks to Ananias and says, Ananias, there's a gentleman in town. His name is Saul. Um, And Ananias would have been well aware of the man who's killing Christians, right? He said, I want you to go to Saul and I want you to tell him about the mission that I have for him. I want you to tell him about the assignment. And I want you to tell him about how much he's going to have to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Now, Ananias, imagine, this is a man who's killing Christians. Like, you want to make sure you've heard from God on this one, right? So Ananias, in obedience to the Lord, goes to the house where uh, Saul is at, lays hands on him, prays for him, his sight's restored. Um, And Ananias delivers this message to Saul, who becomes Paul. And, like, like, there's this immediate turnaround in his life he goes from killing Christians to proclaiming the hope of the gospel he goes from killing Christians to planning churches I mean he's the one who's responsible like for a good portion of the New Testament that we have today it all happened because of a message that the Holy Spirit spoke to an Ananias to take to Paul changed the direction of his life now I had a similar experience that really changed the direction of my life some of you I think I probably heard this story before the year was um, 2000 the year 2000 this building the first phase of this building was about 80% complete and the denomination called and asked my wife and I if we would leave Grace Covenant and become a district supervisor overseeing five states in the Mid-South Texas Arkansas Oklahoma New Mexico Louisiana kind of back to where I grew up, and from a denominational perspective, this was the promotion, right? This is like the next step on the ladder, and they felt I should take it. At this point, I was um, 33 years old, and so I'm in this quandary like, God, what do you want me to do? you, You know I'll do whatever you want me to do. But like, this is a pretty major decision. Like, I just led this congregation into a $4 million building project that was, uh, the building was not completed, and it was not paid for yet. I said, God, this is a big, this is a big deal. Like, I need to hear, like, you're going to have to send an angel from heaven on this one. Like, I really have to know. Again, I'll do, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. My life's not my own. Settled that a long time ago, but I, I've got to hear from you. Well, interesting at this time, my wife and I were living on North Cross Drive. If you're familiar with, like, we're outback steakhouses at Carrabba's, that road, we were living on that road as we were having a home built. Six o'clock in the morning, I'm out walking with a cup of coffee, and I'm talking with God about this decision. I said, God, I've got to know. What do you want me to do? And even while I'm having that conversation with God, I hear someone behind me. They're they're running. I know it's a runner coming up behind me, uh, and the gentleman comes up right beside me, and he stops, and I look over, and it's a pastor friend who pastors in Hawaii. Now, this is 6 o'clock in the morning on a back road out in the middle of nowhere, and Pastor Wayne Cadero comes running up, and he stops right beside me. (laughs) I said, well, I said, wait, what are you doing here in North Carolina? He says, well, what are you doing here in the middle of nowhere? I said, well, I'm just out for a morning walk. And we had a brief conversation. And then he said, I know the denominations ask you to do such and such. He says, but I really believe that God's called you to be a resource pastor of a resource church that would bless other churches and that Grace Covenant is your place of assignment. He said, I wish I could talk with you more. I've got a flight, I've got to catch. He was staying at a hotel right there by Bob Evans, if you know where that's at. He said, I've got a flight, I've got to catch. Um, he says, I'll connect with you later. And he takes off running on down the road. How many of you know I just heard from the Lord on that one? <laughs> I didn't have to try, try to figure out, like, God, what do you want me to do? Become a defining moment in my life for, for my wife and I. And that God spoke to me through someone else for my benefit. So God can and will speak to us through others. But, but we need to be wise and discerning. We need to be wise and discerning. Because again, every, not everyone who says they have a word from the Lord really has a word from the Lord. Does that make sense? So be wise. I, I would actually say that this, this means of hearing from God is probably the most misused and abused. Yeah, I've been in church all my life, and I've seen the abuses of this, where someone has ulterior motives, or someone's um, over-spiritualizing, or someone's had too much pizza the night before. I don't know what the cause of it is, but I see, I see a lot of abuse happening with this. Again, I don't think we should discredit it. God still speaks to us through others. But how can we be wise about it? How can we be discerning? And over the years, over the years, here are a few checkpoints. Just checkpoints that I use when someone comes to me and says, hey, I have a word from the Lord for you. Uh, I don't just swallow it hook, line, and sinker. I have three checkpoints that I pass that through. Here's the first checkpoint. Consider the source. Is this person who's bringing you the word someone that you know and trust? Are they consistently living in relationship with God? For me personally, I'm much more open and receptive to hearing from God through someone I know than some stranger who walks up and says, God told me to tell you this. So I think first consider the source. Uh, Here's a second checkpoint. Pass it through the filter of Scripture. You always want to pass it through the filter of Scripture, right? Listen, God will never lead us to something that's contrary to His good, pleasing, and perfect will as revealed in Scripture. So here's a great question. Does, Does the word someone's given you line up with God's written word? If it's in conflict or contrary to God's written word then it's not from God, right? Because he's not going to contradict himself. So always use the filter of Scripture. Here's a third checkpoint. Hold the word for confirmation. Or I say it like this. I put it on the shelf. Someone comes to me and says, Hey, Pastor, I've got a word from the Lord for you. Uh, I listen. I'm always listening but most often I take that word from the Lord and I so to speak put it on the shelf and if it's God speaking he'll confirm it if it's God speaking he will let you know in other ways that um, so that you can move forward with certainty knowing that it's that God has spoken Again, here's the caution, friends. Just because someone says, thus saith the Lord, in their best King James vernacular. This is, some of you haven't been in Pentecostal churches long enough. I was raised in Pentecostal churches. People would always throw that phrase out. Thus saith the Lord. You know, when, when God s- speaks to me about a word for someone else, I'm really cautious about thus saith the Lord because I'm a messed up human being. Usually I say something like this. I, I have a sense that God might be saying this. So why don't you weigh it out? And then I'll share what I think God might be saying. But again, just because someone says thus saith the Lord doesn't mean that it's always God. So be wise, be cautious, but be open because God does speak to us. He speaks to us through others. You know, this is what I'm confident of today. God is speaking in a variety of ways. So may we may we have ears to hear, may we have hearts to, to discern, and may we have a willingness, a willingness to obey. And this is what I know from my own experiences. Hearing from God can can change our lives and even change the direction of our lives. It can bring courage and confidence to help us move forward. Hearing from God can bring encouragement when you're struggling. It can bring understanding to guide you. It can bring defining moments in your life. So may we be like the young boy Samuel that we talked about the first week of this series. May our posture before the Lord always be speak Lord for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. For your Can we say that together? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Lord, that's our posture today. Lord, I don't know if there's ever been a time that's more significant in our world and in our lives that we're clearly hearing from you. So in my prayer for myself as well as for all of my friends here and for those who are watching online. Um, and I just think of this experience of getting these hearing devices and how all of a sudden there was a new sensitivity to noises and sounds and voices. Lord, my prayer for all of us would be that that, that would happen for us spiritually speaking that we would be sensitive to lord whether it would be through dreams and visions whether it be you speaking through someone else or an open door or a closed door emotions desires. Lord, we just take that posture and position today as as samuel we would simply say god speak we're desperate to hear from you may we have ears that are open hearts that are responsive to hear your whisper, and Lord, we just as well we just thank you that Lord you, that you have spoken, that you are speaking. Lord, I think even of the little thing this morning that seems so insignificant, yet it was really significant. With my keys, Lord, just you you, you you reminded me of exactly where they were. God, I just thank you that that you do speak today and that you're helping us process, all. And Lord, we would just say, do it again. Even as Dr. Graham prayed, God, do it again and again and again in our lives and in this time. And for all of those who would agree with this prayer, would you say amen with me? Amen, amen. amen.